G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as the principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. We have an interesting lesson here. Jesus escapes from his enemies. John 10, verses 31 to 42. As I said earlier, there are times in life when we must fight and there are times in life where we must flee. The Apostle Paul virtually says this in the same breath when he tells us to fight the good fight of faith and at the same time to flee youthful lusts or to flee fornication. Don't stay in a compromising situation. It doesn't matter how spiritual you think you are, you will capitulate. Or don't go to a dangerous place unless God has called you to the dangerous place. Don't be like the foolish young man of Proverbs 7, who went to the wrong place at the wrong time and got involved with the wrong person, and it destroyed him. There's a time to fight, and there's a time to flee. And Jesus illustrates this for us in the chapter. He does put up a good fight, verbally, of course. He doesn't physically get into a tussle. But then at the same time, when it gets overwhelming, he just makes his way and escapes out of their hands. He is now having an increasing amount of enemies because, well, the fact is he's just too stunningly successful for their comfort. And we're going to learn more about that as we look carefully at God's Word. But may I remind my listeners, the reason we do these verse-by-verse commentaries is because all of God's Word is inspired All of God's Word is profitable. We need to know God's Word, especially in these complex, crazy, change-filled times in which we live. We need the light of God's Word shining in areas where there seems to be increasing darkness. And we know that God's Word gives direction, conviction, comfort, all these great things and more. God's Word is more important to us than food, And the rivers of living water of the Holy Spirit is more important to us than drink. And so let's take a look here at a couple of verses in our range of verses today. How about verse 31 of John 10? Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, Many good works have I shown you from my Father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, and because that thou, being a man, makest thyself as God. 
Well, just remember, Jesus told his listeners who confronted him, he wasn't looking for a fight himself, that he and the Father are one. And they picked up stones to throw at him. This is not the first time this happened. It also happened at the end of chapter 8, too, that they threatened to kill him and almost grabbed him, but they failed. And here they will fail again. And the reason they'll fail is because Jesus' time has not yet come. There is nothing premature in the timing of God. And despite age or despite circumstance, nothing happens to us apart from God's will when we are in God's will. Now, if we're outside of God's will, that's like straying outside of the family home and outside of the family yard, which is fenced out into the street. When we stray from the safety and security of the family, then, yes, we are vulnerable to what lies ahead. But when we are in the family grounds, then there is security. Same in God. Stay in God's will, and nothing will happen to you that God doesn't want to have happen, and whatever happens to you will be for your good. So we have a dangerous confrontation here. He will be accused of blasphemy. That's the Lord Jesus. Of course, he can't blaspheme because he is the Son of God. He talks about his Father. He talks about some other issues, and he escapes out of their grasp yet again because his time has not yet come. Let's read the entire portion now from John 10, verses 31 to 42. Our lesson is called Jesus Escapes from His Enemies. It's found in John 10, verses 31 to 42. This is the Word of God. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my Father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, and because that thou, being a man, makest thyself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, Ye are gods? If he called them gods, unto whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, say ye of him, whom the Father hath sanctified and sent into the world, thou blasphemest, because I said, I am the Son of God? If I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. But if I do, though ye believe not me, believe the works, that ye may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Therefore they sought again to take him, but he escaped out of their hand and went away again beyond Jordan into the place where John at first baptized, and there he abode. And many resorted unto him and said, John did no miracle. But all things that John spake of this man were true, and many believed on him there. Our reading is from John chapter 10, verses 31 to 42. Our lesson is entitled, Jesus Escapes from His Enemies. It's a bit paradoxical, but while Jesus is in Jerusalem, which is meant to be not only the city of God, but the city of the great king, people were full of murderous hatred and unbelief. But when Jesus goes into the rural area, the off the beaten track, there people believed in him, like fully. 
such paradoxes of life in a fallen world. Well, let's begin by looking at this dangerous confrontation. John 10, verse 31. Jesus had given a transformational discourse on being the good shepherd, but it created a great stir once given. Then, during Hanukkah, in the cold and wet of winter, Jesus was walking on the Temple Mount and is confronted again by his critics, skeptics, and enemies. They didn't ask, but demanded that he declare out loud, is he the Christ or not? Bearing in mind if he said, I am the Christ, they may have also found accusation against him, because that would be implying that he is God's son, as well as David's son. Jesus counters them by saying that they have already been told of his true identity, but their failure to believe in him is because they are not his sheep. He also told them that his works testify of him even more than his words. He then speaks of the Heavenly Father and declares his oneness with the Father. So then he makes the statement in verse 30, I and my Father are one. As soon as he said this, the Jews took up stones at the Temple Mount in order to stone him. Remember John eight fifty nine. They tried to do that once before. It was not the first time. So then, John ten thirty one. remaining calm despite the clear and present danger, Jesus casually comments with to his enemies while they have stones in their hand. He says, I have shown you many good works, not just one or two, many good works from my Father. For which of these works do you want to stone me? In verse 33, his enemies, stones in hand, say it's not because of any good works that he's done that they want to stone him. The real offense is blasphemy. This term, blasphemy, has a special meaning. It is to grievously insult God or those things associated with God. Now, by the way, Jesus' critics with the stones in their hand themselves had committed blasphemy. They did it with noxious regularity, not only by criticizing the Son of God, but even saying he had a devil. Now, if that isn't blasphemy, what is? So from their viewpoint, it was Jesus who committed blasphemy because he equated himself with God, even though he was supposedly a mere man. Now, it's one thing to compare yourself with God. It's another thing to grievously insult God. Isn't it amazing how definitions get stretched and contorted beyond recognition? That happens in our day. Things like love, things like judgment, things like equality and justice. These are biblical concepts. But today's definition has no resemblance or bearing to what the Bible says. In fact, these things came from the Bible, and we would do well to return to the Bible to get the original intent, because the original intent is actually God's intent. So blasphemy. How can Jesus be a blasphemer when he himself is so reverent and committed and submitted to the Father? But in verse 34 of John 10, Jesus has a ready response to their accusation that he equated himself with God 
and therefore is a blasphemer. He is unfazed by their murderous vehemence. And then Jesus quotes from Psalm 82, verse 6. Psalm 82, verse 6. I have said, ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. God also called earthly judges as gods. We have references in Exodus 21, 6 and 22, 8 and 9. So here is some explanation. Verse 35. The term gods, G-O-D-S, when applied to earthly judges, was simply a metaphor. It had to do with their office. They did humanly what God will ultimately and divinely do at the end of the age, that is, to judge. It's interesting that to be a judge is meant to have an honored position. In fact, the judge is called your honor, and when the judge enters the room, the people in the court stand up. Again, this is like a little, shall we call it, dry run to when we honor the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, who will be judge of the nations, but he will be as king to the believers. So what else do we learn? The scripture cannot be broken. Like the Godhead, there is a oneness with scripture. The Bible, the word of God, remains as a united, unbreakable unit, and it will come to pass no matter what, and it abides forever. Remember that the Savior always enunciated a high view of Scripture. As far as he was concerned, the Scripture cannot be broken. The Scripture must be fulfilled. We dare not add to the Word of God or take away from the Word of God. His high view of Scripture is especially enunciated in Matthew 5.18, where he says that until heaven and earth pass, not one jot or tittle, of the law will pass away until all be fulfilled. What Jesus is saying is not just the individual words are inspired, but the individual letters and even parts of letters of Scripture are also inspired. God's word is one. It cannot be broken. It abides forever. Then in John 10, verse 36, the Father sanctifies. Jesus is the one whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world. He is one of a kind. Why is it blasphemy, then, that Jesus alludes to being the Son of God when he has such powerful words and works? And then he continues on to say, in John 10.37, If I do not the works of my Father, or speak the words of my Father, then you are perfectly free not to believe in me. I mean, you actually will have a valid excuse. However, in John 10, 38, if I do the works of my heavenly Father, then believe the works themselves, even if you don't yet believe me. Then you will know that the Father is in me and I in the Father. So in these words, Jesus is reaffirming the oneness of the Godhead. And then, and I say this with due reverence, Jesus does something that reminds me of a famous 20th century figure called Harry Houdini. Houdini was an escape artist, and he had that amazing ability to get out of traps of all kinds. I can't remember the details, but like he would be handcuffed and shackled and put in a box and taken somewhere, perhaps even lowered in water, 
And before you knew it, Houdini had gotten out of all the cuffs and, and chains, and he was free. He did this again and again. Amazingly, though, despite his ability to escape from traps, he lived a relatively short life. For that matter, so did Jesus, humanly speaking. But like Houdini, he got out of so many traps, you just wondered in amazement how it could be. Now, the words of Jesus when he said, I am in my Father and my Father in me, proved to be too much for his critics. They tried to seize him, but just like before, he escaped out of their hands. And the reason for the escape is simple. His time had not yet come. He was perfectly submitted to the Father's will, and therefore he was not released to be captured until the chosen time. And when he was captured and tried and executed, that was all in God's will. It wasn't a failure on God's part. It was a fulfillment of God's plan for the redemption of the world. Safe space. That's a very popular term now, a term meaning to get away from things that would upset, offend, or rattle one's cage. We talk about safe space, particularly for younger people. They don't want to hear contrary ideas that just may ruin their day. There is a place for safe space, especially what we call a refuge, a refuge from danger, a refuge from the storm. And the Bible does speak about it, about the hiding place, about the name of the Lord being a strong tower, about the cave of Adullam. Many people call it Adullam, but the cave where David escaped, wrote some psalms perhaps, had some quiet time, gathered the mighty men around him. In John 10:40, Jesus decided to clear out of Jerusalem altogether and even get out of the province of Judea because it was just too dangerous. So he goes beyond the Jordan River, close to the place where John first baptized. Now, the exact location we're not sure, but if it was near where John baptized, it would be at the northern end of the Dead Sea, close to where the Jordan River flows in it, because the traditional baptismal site of Jesus is on the east bank of the Jordan River in the present-day country of Jordan. So it may have been in that area that we are referring to. Jesus escaped there. He stayed there. There is actually no mention of him at any point returning to Galilee. Verse 41 of John 10, despite the seclusion of the place, many resorted unto him. Their comments, John the Baptist did no miracles, but everything he spoke about this man proved true. So isn't it amazing? Jesus is trying to get away from it all, and the crowds still find him. And finally, verse 42, unlike the hard-hearted, hard-headed Jerusalem elite, the verse says, many believed on him there. That's beyond the Jordan. So our lesson is called Jesus Escapes from His Enemies. Our lesson for life, the Word of God is like a sword, and it divides those who believe from those who don't. Thanks. 
for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.